Well, with that good singing echoing in our hearts, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 1 as we glorify and exalt and magnify our risen Savior this morning. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 1. Our focus this morning is going to be on verses 17 and 18. But I want to read verses 12 through 18 for you to lay the foundation for everything I am going to share with you this morning. Oh, on this Resurrection Day, on this Easter Sunday, I want us to see in new and fresh ways our resurrected Savior who is filled with majesty and power and glory. Even now as we meet together, he is the risen Savior seated at the right hand of the Father, the place of all authority in the universe. And as I read verses 12 through 18, I just want you to let these verses soak deep within your souls this morning. I want you to be overwhelmed by what the Apostle John says as he describes his vision of the risen Jesus. John says, Revelation 1, verses 12 through 18, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Well, our first point this morning is John's vision of the glorified Christ. There is hardly a picture of Jesus like this anywhere else in the Bible. We have the incredible picture of the Father in Isaiah chapter 6. This perhaps is the New Testament equivalent of that. John sees Jesus, but he sees him in all of his majestic splendor. Back in 2010, I preached through the book of Revelation, and when we came to this passage, I shared something with you that I want to share with you again. I am so thankful 
for Jesus' three-year earthly ministry for his whole 33-year earthly life. I am thankful for the carpenter from Nazareth, the humble servant who walked the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Our salvation was purchased by him at the cross of Calvary in which he took upon himself all the sins of all the world and bore our punishment in our place. I am thankful for all of those things. And we would not be here today without them. He was perfectly obedient and then became the perfect sacrifice. But I want you to know something today on this Resurrection Sunday in April of 2017, when you think of Jesus, think of Revelation 1. He's no longer the humble carpenter walking the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He is the mighty king. He is the glorified and risen savior. He is a mighty warrior. He rules over all of heaven and earth. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. I want you to see him this morning as he truly is right now. The risen, majestic, glorified, beautiful, incredible Savior. John says he was dressed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool. As white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. Imagine you were there looking at him in all of his splendor. His feet were like burnished bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice, his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face, what was this like? His face was like the sun shining in full strength in all its brilliance. Remember what you were told as a child? Don't look directly into the sun. Remember that? Because it is so bright, it could hurt your eyes. Yet John says, when I saw Jesus, when I saw Jesus, his face was like the sun not just like the sun, but the sun shining in full strength in all its brilliance. And when John sees Jesus in all of his glory and splendor, he falls at his feet as though dead. But then, but then, Jesus placed his right hand on John. You can almost see him tenderly placing, laying his hand on him and saying, fear not, do not be afraid. What an incredible moment. Here is this risen Savior in all of his wonder and glory. And John is so overwhelmed. He is stunned by what he sees. I'm sure that he felt totally unworthy. I'm sure he thought of his sinfulness in all of its depth. And he falls down as though he's a dead man. 
And yet Jesus reaches down and touches him and says, do not be afraid, John. Do not be afraid. And John realized that the one who died for him on the cross as his substitute is now the one who's risen to be his intercessor, his advocate, his helper in any and every area of his life. Do not be afraid. I, the risen, glorified, majestic, beautiful Savior, I am here for you always. And I say to you this morning, whatever you are facing in your life, focus on the glorified Christ. You may be here this morning and you are discouraged or you are depressed. You may be here this morning and you are emotionally exhausted by what you have been going through. And I say to you, let the risen, glorified, majestic Savior reach down and touch you and say, do not be afraid. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are feeling, whatever you are facing, whatever heartache or heartbreak you are going through right now in your life, this is the Savior who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The one who is presented in all of his splendor is the one who is with you every minute of every day of your life. Our second point this morning is the message of the glorified Christ, and that's what I really want us to focus on this morning. Jesus begins by telling John, I am the first and the last. John, excuse me, Jesus identifies himself as I am. I am the first and the last. This is the covenant name for God. If you have studied the Bible at all, you may be familiar with this. The one addressing the Apostle John is the great I am, and Jesus says, that is me. I am the I am. This is the same, this is the same name by which Jesus, don't miss this, by which Jesus revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush as revealed in Exodus chapter three. And he says to Moses in the burning bush, I am who I am. I am the ever living, eternal, ever existent God. He says, Moses, I want you to go back to the people of Israel and tell them I am has sent you to me or excuse me, has sent me to you. He was going in the name and the power, Moses was, of the great I am. And so Jesus says, I am the first and the last, which is a title that was used for God in the Old Testament. And so Jesus here is identifying himself directly, not only with the God of the Old Testament, but that he is that he is the God of the Old Testament. And it reminds us that when all false gods have come and gone, only the one true God remains. In Isaiah chapter 44 and verse six, the prophet says, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is 
know God. Well, next, Jesus tells John, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Again, using that great covenant name for God, I am. He says, I am the living one. I died. No doubt who's being referred to here. It is Jesus. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And again, Jesus is claiming to be the eternal, uncaused, ever-existent God of heaven and earth. And we need to be reminded constantly that God the Son is fully equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. They are all co-equal and form the one true God. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. This is John. John, I died. John knew that. John knew that. So John, I died, but now I am alive. But he doesn't just say, I am alive. He says, I am alive forevermore. John, I died, but I'm alive, and I'm alive forever. And that's why we're here this morning. Yes, Jesus died. He had to die to bear the penalty and full wrath of our sin. But folks, he is alive, and he is alive forevermore. Well, finally, Jesus makes this glorious declaration to John. I have the keys of death and Hades. What a statement. I have the keys, John. I have the keys of death and Hades. Death and Hades, as used here in Revelation chapter 1, are essentially synonymous. They are the same thing. Death is the condition. Hades is the place. Hades is the place of the dead. It is the New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament word Sheol. It is the place of the dead. And Jesus says that he has the keys. And when he says that he has the keys, it means that he has full authority to decide who lives and who dies. He controls life and death. This is so significant. The one who holds the keys of death and Hades is the one who holds all authority over life and death. And that is what Jesus is saying. I am the one of full authority. I control who lives and who dies. I control life and death. And what is most important for us this morning is Jesus is the only one who can deliver you from eternal damnation, from eternal death. The only one who can make anyone alive. The only one who can give them eternal life is the one who holds the keys of death and Hades. I have preached a number of times on one particular passage of scripture 
And when I have preached on this particular passage, I have made the statement that this may be the most important statement ever made in the history of the universe. And as dramatic as that sounds this morning, I believe it. The words of Jesus in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, may be the most important words ever spoken in the history of not only our world, but of the universe. John 11, verses 25 and 26. Many of you have memorized them. But as many times as we hear them, we need to hear them again and again and again to the day we die. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That is stunning. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Our bodies may pass away, but the real us, the real me, the real you, who we are in spirit and soul, we will live forever and we will have a new glorified body. If you live and believe in him, literally you will never die. I can't think of any greater promise in all of existence. And that means, folks, we can walk to the tombstone, to the graveside of every single Christian who has ever died in every country around the world we can go to every grave of every Christian and we can stand there and boldly proclaim the words of Jesus, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Hallelujah, they are alive. They may have a grave somewhere. They may have a tombstone somewhere, but they are not there. They are alive and they are in heaven with Jesus. And folks, this is so important to our entire existence as a people. It is. It is so important to us because death is all around us. We are a dying race living in a dying world with people dying all around us. Every single day, no day escapes death. We have people dying of natural causes. We have people dying of unexpectedly and tragically. We have people all over the world dying of famine and poverty. We have people all over the world dying in wars. We watch the news every single night and almost without exception we see people somewhere dying. Just a week and a half ago we did two funeral services within four days for two men who died very unexpectedly and mourned and wept with those grieving families. 
Folks, that's happening all the time. It is all around us. Death is our greatest enemy, an enemy that could take us at any time. The grim reaper comes for all of us, and no one is exempted. In Psalm 89:48, it says this. This is a great verse to mark for the future. Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? The answer is no one. No one. Who can escape the power of the grave? Apart from Christ, no one can. No one can. This week I was reading an article, and the man who wrote the article said that he had been reading through his local newspaper, and there was an article written by a woman whose husband died one year earlier. This was in the obituary section, so it caught his eye. It was an obituary. It was a tribute by this woman to her husband who had died one year earlier. This was the one-year anniversary of his death. And this woman said in this local newspaper, she said she wanted to honor her husband. He had taught her how to live and how to laugh, and she recalled some of his wonderful characteristics. And then she said this. She said, this has been the most important year of my life. I have learned more this year than in any year of my life. She said, when you truly learn, she said, I know we say this a lot, but when you truly learn face to face that life is short, you stop wasting it. She said, when you truly learn in your own life, that life is so short, you stop wasting it. And then she said this. She said, I have learned that life is not a dress rehearsal. In fact, it is a very short play. That's a good reminder. Life is not a dress rehearsal. In fact, it is a very short play. Who can escape the power of the grave. People all over the world in every culture and every language are asking that question. Who can escape the power of the grave? I want you to know this morning you can. You can. And I can. Through the risen and resurrected Jesus Christ. We can, through him, overcome the power of the grave. And what the psalmist wrote hundreds of years before Jesus declared victory over when he came and died and rose again. I want you to know this morning that anyone, anyone can escape death and live forever if they believe and trust in the one who has conquered death itself. Any one of us, any one of us can overcome the power of the grave. We can escape death. I'm not just saying that. We can escape death and live forever if we believe in the one who has conquered death itself, and that one is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one 
who has conquered sin and death. And on Easter Sunday, the victorious Son of God came out of the tomb, having defeated Satan and all of his demons, having broken the power of death, and he came out, and he came out holding the keys of death and Hades in his hands. Jesus came out of that tomb completely victorious over death and hell. I read something this week, and maybe you've read it before, but I loved it. Jesus Christ rose from the grave before the, to- excuse me, before the stone was ever rolled away. No stone could stop him. The reason the stone was rolled away is so others could go in and we could see the proof of his resurrection. He was already gone. That's how powerful he is. He had already risen from the dead when they rolled that stone away. But what I want you to know this morning, I want you to know the day of Jesus' resurrection is the day that death died for all who believe in him. Death died the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we need to know that in A.D. 33, on a specific day in A.D. 33, just outside of Jerusalem, death died for all who believe in Jesus. And according to Revelation 20, folks, it gets even better. It gets even better. According to Revelation 20, there is coming a day when death itself will be cast into the lake of fire and it will not exist anymore. When we go to heaven, we live forever and ever and ever. Oh yes, oh yes, Satan is the keeper of the gates of hell, but praise God, Jesus has the keys. Satan is the, cap- the, excuse me, the keeper of the gates of hell, but let us praise God this morning that Jesus has the keys. As we end this morning, you may be here this morning and you've never come to know Jesus in a real and saving way, in a personal way. And I say to you, he longs for you to come to him. He does. We invite you to come to the one who holds the key of death or the keys of death and Hades in his hands. We invite you to come to the one who has overcome sin and has overcome death and has overcome the grave. We invite you to invite him into your life as Lord and Savior. He is calling for you even right now. He may be working in your mind and your emotions, tugging on your heart even as we meet here. Come to him. Come to him. And if you are here and you know Christ as your Savior, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be so encouraged. The majestic, glorified, beautiful, transcendent, risen Savior so longs, to, so longs to reach down and touch you and say, do not be afraid. Whatever you are going through right now, right now where you sit, whatever you are going through, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how difficult it may be, perhaps you're facing some major decision in your life, I want you to know 
that Jesus longs to touch you and to say, do not be afraid. I am with you. You are never alone. John said, when I saw him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our risen, glorified Savior. We thank you this morning for the vision of the Apostle John. We thank you for this incredible, stunning, awe-inspiring vision that he had. Oh, help us to see Jesus in all of his glory today. Help us to see Jesus in all of his glory today. For we pray, as we always do, in his matchless name. Amen.